0: fit fam this is giovanni of geo's logic your host of fitness junkies and i hope this show meets you in good spirits and if not i hope it inspires you to do something about it man i am beyond excited today because i've got two guys that i've been trying to get in the same room for a while now um one of them came up with the concept and the other um was instrumental in, in bringing me and my little dog together. <laughs> um, I she think it was, them. is it Christmas? Uh, two
1: years ago? Yeah, I believe it was, two Christmases ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, um, Rocky, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. Good, Glad good. Glad to be
1: here. Yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> what would you end up naming the dog?
0: Um, Ryder. Ryder, that's right. <laughs> little Ryder. Yeah. And my other guest... What's up, Reed?
2: Hey, doing pretty good. How you doing? Good.
0: Welcome back, friend of the show. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, I'm gonna frame this show a little differently than I normally do. Um, but I'm gonna first, before I do that, I want to kind of get a little background. I ask all my guests what's their fitness journey, um, if you have one. Like, um, I know you're so busy. Mm-hmm. um uh, when do you get to work out but what's your fitness journey and what do you do and
1: who the hell are you yeah, <laughs> yeah so um yeah i'm busy but um yeah. there's always there's always some room in the schedule for fitness i agree um yeah so i'm a er doctor is my full-time job i, I do a little uh, aviation medicine as well for the FAA and the uh, international guard but um Yeah, I mean, as far as fitness, you know, I wrestled and played football in uh, high school. And I think ever since then, playing organized sports, it just kind of really triggered in me um, a love for fitness and just remaining in good shape. I got into a lot more of other individual activities like rock climbing, skiing, hiking, mountain biking, canyoneering. So I don't spend a lot of time in the gym. I do a little bit. But most of my time is actually out there doing activities and just trying to uh, stay in good shape. Yeah,
0: get out into the world where you get not only exercise, but you, you know, there's so many benefits of getting with nature. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And Reed, um, for the fans that didn't see your episode, let's hear a little bit of background about your fitness journey and what you do and so on.
2: Awesome, right on. I mean, in fitness, uh, let's see. I'm sure the story is gonna vary a little from last time. There's so many details about it in my youth, but I mean, I started as a kid when I was about 11. My dad got me into the gym. Honestly, I struggled with it till I was about 14, 15, 16, right in there. Then started falling in love with it. Started seeing results, you know. Um, Got into powerlifting more so throughout college back in early, you know, early 2010s, 2011, 2012. Um, Had a good time there. Got up a little over 300 pounds. That was terrible. Then uh, had an injury in 2018 where I... uh, Actually fractured my L5. kind of took me out of it, ended up becoming going from a pretty strong guy at 280 to 300 to just an overweight guy at 305. So started dieting, ended up cutting down about 100 pounds. and um, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I built a little bit back up. I mean, that's basically the story, how it went, but uh, is there anything else there?: <laughs> um, What's your background and whether you Well oh, background mean? is uh, in science is biochemistry. Yep. Heavy folks in biochemistry, mostly as pertaining to people, but uh, and, I, and I, I kind of focused a lot of my interest, in my study around things like nutrition, uh, sports nutrition, um, endocrinology, things like that.
0: And have you gotten into training? I know we talked about you might start training a few select clients.
2: You know what? I think I am going to. Okay. I've thrown the I've rolled the idea around a little bit. Um, actually been looking around town trying to figure out where I would train if I did so.
0: Powerhouse, bro. Yeah, that's I'm a what sponsor I'm. Sponsor of the show. It's right. a good gym. You yeah, got to come a...
2: out and work out. You know what? I'll come check it out with you. Okay. I will come check it out. I commit to that. I'll come check it out with you. Awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't have a lot of free time so if I did I'd probably only be able to do 5 to 10 clients at most, probably. Yeah. But um I thought about it.
0: That's what I do. I have 5 clients.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm like I'm them. rolling the idea around so.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I mean like, I've never had a coach before, but I would be interested in maybe training with you, but I think you'd kill me. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, live, I don't I
2: don't do heavy weights anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. What you consider heavy and what I consider heavy are two different things. Thing, I've been told that. Okay. The lifts that you talk about, <laughs> man. Oh, man. Crazy, crazy. Um, and are you still pursuing the supplement line? Yeah,
2: absolutely, man. We actually. So we basically were just kind of backlisted for about 18 months. We were waiting on between our, uh, our manufacturer and our, our brand developer, then our label designs to come through, then the FDA to approve what the labels said, and right. the FDA changes their what they want about every three to four weeks. Got it. So they'll tell you, no, this doesn't pass. They don't tell you how to correct it. Then you have to try and fix Figure it, send it, it off, and hopefully by the time they get to you, they haven't changed their requirements again. Nice. So... That's kind of part of what we've been dealing
0: with moving the the, the, the goalposts. Yeah, but we're getting there, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah, we've made some progress with them. So, um, yeah, I, I can't really give it a timeline. I, it, it's been, you know, the next week could be two months from now. And it's been that way for the last year. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, um, as I said, I want to um, focus this discussion. And I'll, I also wanted to say this is really just a discussion. Um, we're not suggesting that you do anything. Um, if you do try and do anything, whether it's recreational or illegal or illicit, um, we are not suggesting you do anything. We're just having a conversation. And, um, if you do decide to do anything, you always want to check with your doctor. (laughs) Um, all right. Um, so the, the, a couple things I want to read, and this is going to launch us into this conversation. The CDC says more than 107,000 Americans died of drug overdoses in 2021, setting a staggering record. Among adults ages 35 to 44 or the age group with the highest rates of drug overdose deaths increased 33% from 2019 to 2020. Last year, overdoses involving fentanyl and other synthetic opioids um, surpassed 71,000, up 23% from the year before. There are also 23% increases in the death involving cocaine and 34% increases in the death involving meth and other stimulants. This other thing I want to read is about steroid use and these potential side effects. High blood pressure, high blood cholesterol levels. High blood cholesterol levels may lead to cardiovascular problems, which is a lot of what the uh, media says that many of our bodybuilders are dying early from heart issues. Um, it can cause severe acne, thinning of hair and baldness, fluid retention, high blood pressure, liver, liver disorders. Um, steroids can affect... Fetal development during pregnancy, um, risk of contracting HIV or other blood borne diseases from sharing infected needles, sexual and reproductive disorders. So, this is basically a mashup between the recreational world and the deaths and destruction that may be causing or the perception, and on the other end, what's happening in the bodybuilding world with the use of steroids and diuretics, and what's really happening in the two spaces. And before I get into this session with these two gentlemen, I want to give a few seconds, a moment of silence for all the bodybuilders and all the people that died from recreational drugs. Um, Rest in peace. that all said um so um let's start with rocky um you are on the front lines of i would say probably the uh illicit drug side of this where you're you're you know cuz those are always i would say your your chronic um incidents, incidents that are you know they're coming in because their heart's palpitating or whatever mm-hmm. cuz they didn't know fentanyl was in their coke and they're now going crazy yeah um what's your experience been
1: Yeah. So obviously working in the er we see a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of different conditions everybody ends up in the er when they're in crisis and a lot of people that are in crisis are on drugs Mm. so sometimes it's incidental they're actually coming in for something else sometimes they're specifically coming in because of a drug overdose Um, so we see everything we see uh, illicit substances we see a lot of alcohol abuse you know, when EDC is in town, we see a, dirt, a certain type of uh, intoxication that we don't see as often um, um, when that's not going on. But um, kind of what you said and what you read at the beginning, there is a, there is definitely an opioid epidemic, an um, epidemic rather. And we see a lot of people that um, overdose either intentionally or unintentionally on a variety of substances. And opioids are by far probably the most concerning acutely when someone takes too much because it actually acts on your respiratory drive and you stop breathing. And so if you stop breathing, you have literally minutes until, you know, you have permanent brain damage or death. So that's probably the most concerning one, but we can talk about a variety of different substances, we can, whatever kind of um, line you want to go down. I mean, alcohol is a substance I think that is socially acceptable but causes a lot of harm to both our society and us as individuals. And we see a lot of we see a lot of people in different stages there, you know, people coming in acutely drunk, people coming in as victims of domestic abuse from alcohol car accidents, people coming in with liver cirrhosis, which is more chronic overuse. And you know, all kinds of other substances, cocaine, methamphetamine is one that we see a lot nowadays. A lot of people are using methamphetamine, especially in like the homeless population and people in kind of lower socioeconomic statuses, uh, because it's cheaper. Um, And that drug can be really nasty and cause lots of issues as well. So yeah, I have a lot of um, comfort talking about a variety of different intoxications with those substances. What I'm less of an expert in is definitely some of the steroid use stuff. So I'm kind of interested to learn from you guys. And I did kind of do a little bit of research and look back at some of the pharmacology on that and what's going on in that world too. We could talk a little about like the pros and cons and the risks and benefits because it's really important. A toxicologist is a certain type of emergency medicine doctor that has additional training. It's a fellowship called toxicology. And the quote they always use is that the, the poison is in the dose. It's like any substance, even this, this water, could potentially be damaging to us at too high of a dose. Right. Right. You drink way too much water. And there are people that for psychiatric reasons just continue to drink water. Their sodium goes down so low that they could have brain damage, you know? So the, wow. the poison really is in the dose. And right. So like anything we put in our, in our bodies, including food, you know, when it's done excessively can be damaging to our bodies. And right. so, I mean, that's kind of getting a little bit, you know, into the, uh, the, um, the kind of, uh, you know the, the theoretical weeds. and in the weeds, but it <laughs> actually is true. You know, right. so like we have to kind of always weigh that benefit. You know, like am I going to put this in my body? What is the benefit I expect to get from this, and what's the risk that my body is going to experience? And you know, we have to. And the the balance is going to be different for everybody. And with bodybuilders talking about steroids, you know, their their risk threshold may be different with these substances than other people. Right. Or someone that actually has a condition where they have low testosterone, also, you know, they're actually just trying to get back to a normal level of testosterone. So it's a different scenario.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Reed, you were talking before about, um, you know, drug abuse, whether it's illicit drugs or recreational drugs or steroids. If you are going to do them, you should do your research, get your blood work, all that stuff.
2: Oh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, know what you're putting in your body and what condition your body is in before you do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And... The perception that you were kind of like wanting to kind of discuss was, and, and if I'm wrong, the there's this perception that bodybuilders are dying because of steroids and, you know, the amount of deaths, there was a lot of deaths, you know, recently, 2022, two thousand twenty. One, I want to shout out to one of the gentlemen, um, Sean Roden, a.k.a. Flexitron, was one of the top bodybuilders. He won Mr. Olympia at age 43 and then died at, uh, no, he won at 43 and died at 46, and they said it was, he had suffered a, a previous heart attack. So... Um, There's a lot of, you know, heart size increase, you know, that could be related to steroid use. The thing is, I think the hard thing is, is, you know, attributed, I think you mentioned it, Rocky, you were Mm -hmm. saying it could be not necessarily uh, the cause of the
1: death, but associated with it. Yeah, we were talking about um, confusing correlation with causation and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it is really, it's really difficult sometimes to tease those things out. Yeah. You know, that's where the science comes in, you know, trying to determine. We often, our brains are kind of, you know, built to look for patterns. And oftentimes when we see Y, we assume X caused Y. But that actually may not be correct, you know? And so we have to be really careful to not attribute causation where it may just be correlated. Right. You know, so if like every time a bodybuilder, body a younger bodybuilder dies, well, one, they're young. So right there, that's a signal to us. We don't expect that person to die, right? And so we all of a sudden say, well, they're a bodybuilder. They died. Now, do we just assume that it was steroids or some performance-enhancing drug? Like maybe that happened, but maybe not. We need to do more, more, more um, exhaustive kind of like analysis there. It's kind of like I love Teslas. You know, I I drive a Tesla. I love Tesla as a company. But whenever there's a car crash with Tesla, you know, it's front-page news. Right. But they don't talk about the other ten thousand, you know, other cars gas gas-fueled cars that got in a car crash that day. Right. So sometimes, you know, we, we, we have to just be careful with, I think, you know, what we're teasing out in terms of data, you know? And so right. we, we probably need to look at each of those cases individually,
2: Right. in my opinion. I'd, I'd like to throw something on to what he just yeah. said there. Yeah. So, for example, you don't hear about everybody that gets in a crash in a Toyota Camry. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to take away from—this isn't to necessarily take away from the point or the principle of anything here. But I do want to say that you look at how many people— have died, sheer numbers of people that have died in the bodybuilding or the fitness industry. And then take a look at other athletic sports in the last two to three years. Because, you know, in the last two to three years, we've seen the most deaths in these, in these categories of people or, or, or uh, competitors. Take a look at soccer, take a look at basketball, take a look at international and national sports. How many people have died in the last two to three years from heart related incidents? And the numbers are pretty staggeringly high. Really? However, bodybuilding has, is stigmatized. And so you see something happen there and people automatically go, oh, it's because they're on steroids or oh, it's because of whatever. It's an assumption that's mm-hmm. easily placed on them. Right. And that's reflected in, in a lot of articles, which I had mentioned earlier. Right. And you'll, you'll see people talk about so-and-so died and then a lot of speculation goes into why he died. And then from that speculation, they decide and blame to something that must have killed him without really looking into what actually killed the person. Right. You know what I mean? So not trying to... Change subject. I just no, actually, to I think that's the, a
1: great point. And I, yeah. um, that was the first thing I thought about too when I was reading that article. Do you have those numbers available? Have you looked at those recently? Because the first thing I thought was, okay, what is the prevalence of deaths in bodybuilders versus other sports? I don't know the answer to that right. question, but it's relevant, right? And if it's I not higher, any, right. then, you know, then yeah. maybe it is a point where you know, we are, again, looking for signals where, where we want to already prove a point based on a, a belief that we had, i.e. steroids kill, human beings when they're used so we're looking for that data rather than actually finding it. Right. And so and,
2: and I don't have the numbers right yeah. on me. I just know in bodybuilding what are we 10 12 individuals, you know, and, and no, no no not to be sound uh, uh insensitive there.
0: Right. Well, but... so there's the professional bodybuilders that mm-hmm. are noted, there's 15 that you know, noted professional bodybuilders right. in 2021
1: that died, is that what the Right. Okay. But we don't
0: know how many just you know, enthusiasts that right. were bodybuilding, that were on gear, died. And, you know, they're really not mentioned. And I don't, right. you know, I don't know if I could find anything that I actually looked for that number hmm. and I couldn't, there was no number of it. You know, it was just, oh, yeah, it's, it's these professional bodybuilders because they're the ones that are doing right. the steroids. You, you talk, said you
1: saw it, 21 died in. 15 died 15 in, in 21. A, okay, interesting. That's, yeah. Interesting. It seems like a, a higher number than I would expect.
2: And it, for, for, no, no what I'll give it, bodybuilding is a pretty. It's pretty. That's a pretty small group of people when you mm-hmm. compare it to other other professional sports or, or competitive categories out there. Right. So, yeah. but nonetheless, there is that bit of data there that kind of seems to get left out. And I don't remember the numbers exactly, mm-hmm. um, but I do know that they've become in the last couple of years, especially, very high
0: in the right. sports. And I know COVID had a a big play in that oh yeah sure yeah, yeah. with you know yeah. heart failure of young younger guys right soccer players yeah that was crazy yeah
2: that, that, that's kind of where i was what i was hinting at like going with it yeah okay. i think
1: i think if you want to include the time that the pandemic has existed from 2020 till now it definitely will be a, a confounding it'll be a confounder because COVID for sure causes myocarditis there are also cases in which the vaccine causes myocarditis and so you have a lot of other data that could be playing a role here in young, healthy people now that, that, are, that are performing at such an elite level, right? These are right. people that are really pushing their bodies to the nth degree. And so potentially COVID could be playing a role there. It's hard right. to say. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And you were saying you're reading that Insider article and this kind of fake news around the sport that is has this cloud of steroid use that just follows it around. And it is prevalent. I'm um, not, yeah. not denying that, but you were reading that insider article and you saw several things that just weren't right.
2: Well, and it's, 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 it's tiny details, but I believe that, you know, poisoning the well of, of education begins with tiny details at the beginning, if mm. that makes any sense. Like if, you, if your base of knowledge isn't, isn't totally solid, anything you build upon it is gonna only amplify that instability.
1: Well, also, too, if there's tiny details that this journalist is making errors on, then that just, I think that speaks to the, um, you know, to ha- the attention of detail that that person has. Which just tells yeah. me there's bias so in you, writing the yeah, article. Yeah, you need to have more, more scrutiny, I think, when you start to see things. I think those so, things, too. Yeah.
2: I do. I think when you have a lot of deaths in bodybuilding, um, everybody wants to attribute it to steroids. That is kind of the easy answer to give it. And there's a lot more that goes into people or goes, goes on in this world than just steroid use. I mean, if people really saw the level of recreational drug use, Mm -hmm. you know, you take a guy who he's five foot seven, he weighs a hundred, I'm sorry, he weighs 245 pounds at 3% body fat, 4% body. means he probably wasn't supposed to weigh more than about 165 pounds naturally, you know, when he's got a 30 inch waist and it's like, that gives you a good idea on how small this guy really was supposed to be, or not small, but how much smaller. Right, And so- now your organs are having to work to support that much more tissue.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Same heart, it's gonna get bigger now. I'm just saying, Like, there's a lot of contributing factors that go in, into, into these deaths. Um, steroids definitely play a role in most cases. And then in some cases, it's other things. It's the stimulants, it's the recreational drugs, it's the diuretics, it's the you know lack of attention to their diet.
1: It could their even be supplements as well. Supplements, I mean... yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even like you said, the diet, you know, with the, the having to put all the weight on excessive amount of amino acids, and then all of a sudden depriving your body of water. And I mean, bodybuilders do put themselves in these cycles of extreme stress onto their body to get their body to look that way. And so it's hard to really tease out what is causing the, um, the early death. And also then you also consider that there's also congenital arrhythmias and all kinds of stuff that, you know, that people die of sometimes, you know, there've been professional basketball players. Um, who's the famous, uh, Boston Celtic that died of, um, um, I think it was in like the 80s. um, uh, Lenny, uh, um don't talk don't yeah. talk basketball Lenny. and then look at me. <laughs> I, we have to look that up, but you know that was a famous George, case. Do you of, remember that guy, the basketball player that died. Let me see, it was uh, uh, a Celtic. Name. I have a name, Lenny Bruce. Am I my
0: I know Lenny. Uh. I think it's Lenny something. Yeah, but, but yeah, um, he died on, like but, on the free throw line or something. Yeah, he, I mean,
1: he died of, and then you know on autopsy he had this cardiomyopathy called hokum hypertrophic, uh, obstructive cardiomyopathy. And it's something someone's born with. And you know, when you, and people that, some people that are walking around with that condition will never actually die or never even know they have it because they didn't push their body to that degree. Right. But so also you have people in the body building world or other sports that once you start to push yourself to that degree, you may have underlying other conditions that, you know, are thou, you're predisposed to that, you know, all, all of a sudden cause you to die suddenly of cardiac right. arrest. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Was uh, um,
2: Hank Gathers?
0: Hank Gathers, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I remember that. Um, so, you were saying that you know people that you see basically are in crisis, and and there's there seems to be, you know, this kind of slow burn of steroid use, and you know the 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 hard cycles that these bodybuilders go through. And that's kind of like what I would consider a slow burn, where you're not really going to shoot, you know, your ass with steroids and then have to run to the ER. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to be later on when your body just can't take it anymore, or your heart's oversized, your liver's oversized. So it's really hard to kind of, you know, I think we can really look at, you know, statistics on overdosing. and. And the opt autopsies behind that, but like, how do we really know what you know that journey is for a bodybuilder that does steroids for X amount of years? Yeah,
1: I've definitely never seen anybody in the ER for an acute uh, overdose of anabolic steroids. That's true. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
2: They call it uh, they call it test flu. Uh-huh. So oh, that so, happens. That does happen. Uh, some people I know say that again.
1: It's called test.
2: Test flu is kind of the name that okay. guys have for it. So you'll find guys that. They go to front load front a steroid cycle, and they'll take a whole bunch of it all at once. Like they think they're going to saturate their body extra quick. It's not a wise decision. <laughs> um, anyway, so they'll do that, and then they'll literally feel like they have the flu hmm. for, you know, six, seven days in some cases, maybe a little more. Um, yeah, it's just because they put too much in, it can happen. Yeah.
1: One thing I thought that was uh, pretty interesting as I was kind of just researching the topic as we were um, getting ready to do this mm-hmm. episode was. Uh, the dependency that comes along with steroid use because once you start to use it massive you get massive dependency i think they said anywhere from 30 to 40 percent in some of these studies that i I was reading um one because of the, the body dysmorphia and how you can't continue to perform at the same level without it but then also you start to actually cause your your natural synthesis of testosterone and the different androgens to cease you know and it takes a long time to restore that oh yeah and so and a lot of times obviously this is going on without you know under the purview of another physician or a medical provider, people are kind of talking to trainers, talking to one another, finding stuff on the internet, and they're just trying things. Bro Absolutely, science. bro yeah. science. <laughs> yeah, and it gets, yeah, bro science. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's quite complicated too. You have to use other substances to try to block the side effects from the actual steroids themselves.
2: Which people are not educated in. Yeah, uh, Most people think that if you're gonna use steroids, the only thing you gotta worry about is estrogen. Mm-hmm.
1: Which is one so, of the things you do need to worry about, but there are other oh yeah, things, of course.
2: But you don't want to get rid of all your estrogen mm-hmm. either. And so what guys tend to, to think is that estrogen is the enemy, and they, so they're taking an and all these different types of things yeah, to estrogen
1: blockers. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: to remove estrogen there's even things that people take that will pull the estrogen out of fat cells. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Letrozole. It'll actually I think those
1: are the those might be the
2: SERMs. No, thing. so so let, letrozole is an actual um, and aromatase inhibitor.
1: Yeah, the aromatase inhibitors and as then well. Yeah,
2: you've got SERMs, which are the selective estrogen receptor mm-hmm. modulators, like Clomid, Novodex, things like that, that will shut off or block reception at particular sites. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, those can actually be used as in like a post-cycle therapy if you want to kind of jumpstart testosterone production once again. Um, but people get they, people guys guys will get on YouTube they'll look up videos on steroids, mm-hmm. they'll hear, okay, testosterone, that's the basis, that's the foundation to everything. Okay, got to have that. Then they go, okay, what else? Oh, you put, okay, Trent is the most strong, is the strongest one. Okay, where can I get that? How much mm-hmm. can I fit in my ass cheek, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, some of
1: these are actually come from the veterinary um, supply yeah. of of steroids that we've used to try to increase the actual size of livestock for mm-hmm. butchering and And
2: veniplex pellets back in the day yeah the guys would guys would grind that mess up and run it through a series of of solvents and filters to pull out the hormones so they could make it into a an injectable form for themselves and uh that article mentioned that it was uh, three times as powerful as testosterone it's a lie it's actually five what is trenbolone okay it's five times as as anabolic and as androgenic an interesting thing about that though because we were talking about estrogen and these other things uh trenbolone doesn't convert to estrogen it, it increases um, prolactin and progesterone in your body. So prolactin mm-hmm. is, is what you basically, correct me if I'm wrong here, okay. is the hormone that is secreted post-ejaculation uh, in males, which is kind of what happens during that is that refractory period. So that's why guys, a lot of guys deal with erectile dysfunction when they use tremolone. Mm. But where it's also extremely androgenic, it's going to put your sex drive through the roof.
1: Hey, maybe just stop for a second and um, yeah. for the for the everyone listening, explain the difference between androgenic and um, anabolic. Okay, because I think it's important for people to kind of understand. Right. You're throwing these words around, and correct. So some people you, may not know that, but anab- there are there's. It's important to know the differences between right.
2: These. So anabolic is basically means like tissue building, mm-hmm. tissue constructing. Whereas you've got the uh, the opposite is catabolic. Of course. Um, then you have uh, androgenic, which correct me here if I'm wrong, but andro coming from the Latin root term, or andro is the Latin root term for male. So it's going to be basically something that exhibits male-like characteristics or produces um, the development or exhibition of male-like characteristics. Yeah, male sex hormones are androgenic, right. correct? Yes. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I just, they're, they're, I feel like there's, they're, they're, when you take steroids, there's, there are some huge risks. There are things that probably should never be put into humans' bodies. But at the same time, there's some that are amazing medications. They can do incredible things. I mean, like I had said before, when they were banned, they weren't banned for, their negative side effects, they were banned for their positive benefits, and then they were there was a more a what do you call it a
0: backlash.
2: N- no, a uh, when everybody starts all you hear in the media is how terrible they are, how horrible they are. Oh, they make you angry. Oh, they make people kill people. Oh, they they do all these terrible things. Yeah, they, like do you
1: remember the uh, the program? smear campaign? Remember smear. The, remember the program, the uh, football uh, movie in the 90s. And the one mm-hmm. guy that's on the steroids and he, he has the classic roid rage. It's like a big part of the movie. <laughs> is it the one where he's like
2: rolling around on the ground in the in the locker room or something? He's
1: kicking the weights and then he ends yeah. up he ends up uh, like um, he ends up attacking his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, It's a great movie. It's a great football movie. But, <laughs> but that's a big part of the movie is him right. him trying to like make it with the steroids. You know, and it, it is that kind of character like that that characterization of um, of uh, someone that's you know abusing steroids and it's a little bit. I mean, it's clearly exaggerated. Right. You know, it's a caricature.
2: Well, there was yeah. the wrest—I want to say it was a wrestler. And I can't remember the name. I, I wasn't very knowledgeable on wrestling, but there was the wrestler who I believe—I don't know if he killed his wife, his wife and kid, or his girlfriend, or something—and they attributed it to steroids. And and then later, after they used it as a as a smear campaign for steroids, later they were like, "Well, I mean, there was led LSD and 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 coke and mm. other things, you know." Right. But I feel like there's been a, there was a lot of work done to remove steroids from availability for use, and then to demonize them and make sure that nobody talks about the benefits of these drugs. You know, I mean, the, how incredible these drugs are for people like uh, that have like, um, like burn victims to be able to bring back, regenerate tissue at a faster rate or how quickly you can heal from surgery, things like that. It's, right. There are benefits there. Right. Sorry, I'm so long-winded. I'll just go on for. Yeah, I mean, no. Not to even
1: mention people that are actually suffering from hypogonadism, which is like yeah. low-level, like legitimately low levels of testosterone that exists. And then there's also the the world of subclinical um, hypogonadism, where it's like your levels are, are are normal but low normal. And there's a whole practice of medicine there trying to look at this. And I'm no expert, so I don't really want to speak to that. But that's clearly going on. And there are those on one side that are saying you know, this is this is problematic, we need to be cautious here. And there's other people saying, like, this is actually a form of anti-aging medicine that actually can improve the quality of life of a lot of people in terms of, like, men as they age. And I don't, again, I'm an ER doctor, I'm not an expert in this. There are physicians that are experts in this, but I think there's a whole spectrum that, you know, where these drugs can be used really effectively to treat a variety of conditions. Oh, huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting, you know, you talked about... um this wrestler that had all these other recreational drugs in him, um, there's a cross-section between the people that take drugs, and even not the professional bodybuilders, but these people that want to look good,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, get jacked and look good and get the girls, and even girls now are doing it to get muscles, and, but they're also heavy into the recreational drugs. Right. And that's like, you know, you're talking about a cocktail that could kill anyone. For sure. Do you see that? Like, you know, you you talked about EDC and the people that come in, you know, the the numbers that start coming in during those big dance parties. um, Are you seeing like that kind of character, a bodybuilder type jack guy, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, um, so I mean, what we're talking about is that we, we, we call it in the ER world substance abuse, right? Where you have a whole bunch of different substances in someone's body, and it's really difficult because there's no studies out of this. This is the wild west of toxicology, right? How each of these drugs are affecting your different organs and how they're interacting with one another, those, those substances, and how they also interact with your liver. It's trying like desperately. We well, have two different ways of excreting toxins in your body you have the kidneys and you have the liver, right? And some substances go through, you know, renal. Um, Filtration and they come out through the urine, other ones come out through the liver. And so, you know, all these different substances in your body, and you know, you're trying to detoxify yourself. And, you know, you're also, you know, partying, you're stressing your body, you're dehydrated, and all these things together. It's like, what's actually causing the damage to the different tissues and to the organs? And it's really challenging, I think, to sort that out. I mean, I don't have a means to test anybody for anabolic steroids in the ER because it's not actually considered one of these illicit substances that we test for. Right. It's kind of when you were talking about like the slow burn you know there definitely are adverse effects to testosterone use and anabolic and androgen um, substance use right and we can talk about that and there's also kind of creative ways and different substances that have come up to actually block some of those effects you know and then kind of go back to you know the the the, the poison is in the dose you know and we do this with whenever we're treating any kind of medical condition we're always using the pharmacology in kind of creative and 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 safe ways, you know, trying to titrate up medicines to get the desired effect. And I think bodybuilders are doing the same thing, but they're also, like we talked about before, they're doing it on their own through YouTube videos and not necessarily entrenched in the science or having like a professional person help walk them through that, Right. you know? And that's where the problem comes in, I think, with, with that particular use of these, these drugs and these medications.
0: Right, Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. What do you think, um, you know, that's, you know, first of all, you talked about you, you don't test for steroid use if if you know someone comes in with you know a chronic issue but i don't know like when are when are people testing for like if someone has a heart attack a young person has a heart attack is an autopsy immediately done to see what may have caused it or does
1: that one does it have to be
0: you know asked for by the parent or how yeah that so work? that's
1: a, that's actually a great question. and um um there's I don't know if you've read anything from Malcolm Gladwell. He yeah. has a, I can't remember which book it is. He talks about or I can't remember if it was Malcolm Gladwell or it actually might be Black box Thinking by um I can't remember who wrote that book, but one of those books they talk about how the lack of autopsies being done in the United States is really detrimental to um advancing our knowledge in terms of getting like completing the feedback loop in terms of like what happens to people and why they die and like being able to understand and learn from that' Because it's mm. actually very rare. That a person will get an autopsy these days it just has to be um under some type of mysterious um cause right and then that's up to the kind of the county coroner decided they're going to do an op- autopsy or it has to be paid for out of pocket by the loved ones right which it's it's kind of an expensive thing so a lot of people don't have the means to do that so a lot of a lot of cases i mean you, we always hear about the autopsy on a high visibility person you know a celebrity or right. professional athlete that's going to happen, of course right. yeah but uh, right. there's so many people that don't get autopsies and we never really know you know, so when I fill out the death certificate or a physician pronounces someone dead and fills out the death certificate, a lot of times it's like, you know, cardiac arrest, respiratory arrest, but you don't necessarily know. You kind of are trying to go through, you know, based on what happened, come up with the best and most likely cause, but it's difficult to tease that out real time without the autopsy. So mm. that's a great question. Yeah, yeah,
0: that that kind of goes back to the people that you saw in that article, and the especially the girl that you said felt died the night before in her sleep, right. and it was probably not a heart attack. it was probably um dehydration or I'd say
2: probably more related to diuretics yeah, and I don't want to come out here and start being you know diagnosing things or anything like that but <laughs> that that happens on a pretty regular basis. You'll have somebody that's been competing you know preparing themselves to compete for sixteen weeks, taking all kinds of all kinds of substances to not only try to reduce body fat. Uh, maintain as much muscle as they can, have as hard of an an appearance as they can, but they're also um, using things to reduce water retention in their body. So they're trying to, like I said, like deplete the stores of water, which in many cases you find these people either sometimes they collapse on stage, um, they're having palpitations the night before, something related to eliminating the electrolytes from their system the heart's not able to function. That happened here in Las Vegas a few years ago uh, with a woman, mother of, I think, four. Just oh. absolutely heartbreaking story. Came here to compete in nationals. Didn't show up to her show, and when they went up to her room afterwards, they found her passed away in her bed. Mm. Um, and and the the articles like to say they were obviously, it was obviously steroid-related, and it's like, actually, in those cases, it's not. You're right, they were, there was a correlation, but that there was no cause from the steroids. right. You know. Um so yeah, that but that does happen very, very frequently.
1: Yeah, I mean it's really difficult to tease that out. I mean, we I think it is it's important to note that, you know, you take HGH, you take anabolic steroids, you will have increased uh, muscle mass, you'll have increased tissues in terms of most of your organs, and you can also have hypertrophy of the heart cord. Mm-hmm. All those things are gonna happen. And when you have larger organs as well, you know, the heart is now having to supply more you know, more blood to more tissue and the right. heart also may be working against, um, you know, more mass as well. So there definitely will be long-term stresses to the heart, but what is like the, the last domino to fall? I mean, yeah, you're, you're depleting yourself. You're purposely depleting yourself of all of your water stores, you know, by using diuretics, you're potentially also using maybe amphetamines or some type of like stimulant as well, you know, to maybe, you know, be able to focus and, you know, you know, you're not sleeping well, so you're using that to get through things. So there's so many different things that are going on in those yeah. situations. And like we talked about before, maybe there's underlying medical conditions that, as well. And so trying to tease all that out, there's just so many confounders. But you're right, the media likes to just go to, it was the steroids. right? You know, Because it's the it's simple kind of like high visibility thing. And it's also, it's kind of what the public already believes. And so right. like, as the public likes to be told what they already believe, right? right. It's like the feedback loop. Yep. You know? people, don't, people don't like uncertainty. And I I come to this without a dog in the fight. Like, I don't have a strong opinion about steroids. I've never used them myself. I've seen, though, during like the last 10 or 20 years that I've been in medicine, there has been a shift from steroids, bad, steroids, bad, steroids, bad, bad, always bad, to wait, let's relook at this. Are they really as bad as, you know, the media has told us? And, you know, I think a lot more of the research is starting to show when used in lower dosages, um and used appropriately, they actually can be um, one less, less risky than, than thought oh, yeah. and then also have, you know, the benefit and there's always a benefit to any substance we put in our body and there's always a risk. And so we have to understand okay. that that's from our blood pressure medicine, you know, that's our sleep aids, that's our statins <clears throat> for cholesterol, whatever it is that you're using, antidepressants, there's always a risk and there's always a benefit. Right. And we have to try to, you know, balance that. And that's
0: back to your dosage, you know, yeah. levels, you know, you can, you know, legitimately healthy within reason um, do anabolic steroids. I mean, I guess we can't say in a fact that that's true, but um, I think you believe that, you know, if you're conscientious and doing blood work and not just listening to bro science, there is a healthy path.
2: I think there is a healthier and a safer path. Yeah. I think that that's all there is always going to be an un, a series of unknown factors or variables that can determine if it's healthy for you or or if you're crossing over into the threshold of unhealthy. Mm. However, I think the biggest problem is the lack of of knowledge, the lack of understanding uh, or the lack of education that people ha- really have surrounding these things. Yeah. You know. Um,
0: and it's it seems like coming back to vanity and and, you know I believe that younger and younger kids are wanting to get on steroids for numerous reasons you know um, wanting to look good wanting to be the guy on the beach that gets the girl and Mm -hmm. um, want to to excel in sports Um, there's all this desire to be this beautiful muscular person and these young people are also like i said it before are also in the party scene so there's like this convergence of why looking do you think,
2: good and feeling good why do you think they want to look good in most cases it's because they want to be validated in the party scene mm-hmm. they want to be sexually attractive they they want to be able to take their shirt off at a party and be validated for it they want people to look at them and go oh my gosh you know
1: well not to mention too what social media is doing too because every everybody sees the most beautiful the most successful you know the most luxurious people and everybody wants to emulate that right and you know that i think that's definitely driving some of this as well but i would i would definitely be cautionary about you know adolescents and and the youngest people using these substances because especially when you're going when you're still going through development uh you know puberty you know you're especially like younger people high school kids that you know they're Their growth plates may not have even closed yet on their in their bones i mean there's their frontal lobe is still developing up to the age of 25 and so the the younger you're experimenting experimenting with these types of substances like the more i think complexity you're introducing i see more of a role for this as in someone that's getting into their late 30s 40s and they're seeing changes in their you know they've already hit their peak level of performance and they're starting to decline Um, i think there's definitely going to be a growing area in the scientific literature in that specific person. Now, what we're talking about bodybuilders, though, is we're talking about a person that's trying to optimize performance in a really kind of unique way. And that's a different, that's a different person as well. So we're talking about several different groups, the young person that's driven more by appearance and maybe, you know, just like living this lifestyle that they think is going to bring them happiness. And there's a whole discussion about that, about whether or not that's actually going to give them what they want. You know, is that really where we find happiness and, you know, satisfaction? There's that person, there's the bodybuilder that's participating in the sport, trying to, you know, get their highest level of achievement and performance and then there's like the the standard person that you know is just have, has reached their their maximum in terms of like performance cognitive physical and everything and now they're starting to see a steady decline in terms of aging and there's different roles i think that these substances play in each of those different groups you know yeah um it's weird that um you
0: you you've got this this group of i don't know I don't think people are the bodybuilders are vain because I'm a bodybuilder, I'm not a competitive bodybuilder, but they they a lot of them are trying to compete and I just recently heard on um another podcast that they the guy said if you want to be healthy don't compete in bodybuilding.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Because, like you said, with the diuretics and the excessive hardcore cutting, um, those cycles over and over, the pressure on your body and your organs, um, I mean, you can do it. But, like, I was just at the USA's last weekend, and, you know, there was just guys that were just diced out, like, just, and girls that you were just like, oh, my God, your body is, like, chiseled. Mm -hmm. But there were bigger guys with the same thing, and you yeah. know they're all doing the gear. So it's like you want to win. That's
1: a good point. You can probably say that <laughs> yeah. about U- UFC fighters too. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. lots of sports, you know, where you know where people are making decisions to to maybe you know for the short term to win at their sport. There really there's a cost that comes with that in terms of your long term health. You know, yeah. I mean. If you're competing in UFC, if you're competing in a lot of different sports, you know, a lot of times you're doing things that are damaging your body, literally damaging your body, and those people are making those decisions because the reward of being number one or, or you know, winning their sport is more important than the long-term costs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. UFC, though, is probably one of the hardest sports now to um, uh, use steroids because they have like a, a, what is it, USANA, They're, The the... The drug, um, I'm not sure. The USADA. Olympic, yeah, U- Usada. Usada. Yeah. USADA. Um, their their drug um, detection thing is like Olympic level.
1: Yeah, I wasn't even talking about drugs. I just mean like if you want to be the best in that sport you're going to get your ass beat, <laughs> Yeah, you know, a, a lot, Right. you know, and to say that that's not doing it's damage gonna... to your organs and your brain and your joints, like, uh, right. you're just, you're going into battle. It's going to yes. be and
2: detrimental to your well-being. For or sure. health. Probably to more so
1: than even using steroids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. When you're going into that. acutely. The yeah. Acutely. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of like the, like the black cloud around the sport now. And, and, and I, I love muscle. Um, I love muscle on women. I don't like what happens when they go too far. <laughs> Understood. And, um, but there's also not only steroids in the women's side of bodybuilding, even down to bikini model, bikini competitors, um, but then you, they, they get into a lot of the diuretics. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's starting to kind of be the staple. It's like, if you don't do this, you're not going to win.
2: Right. And I have seen just recently at USA's, I saw a handful of competitors with various women's divisions that I don't see guys that are that dry, mm-hmm. you know, or that low body fat in many cases. And I'm like, man, what's your, if, if you're going to be able to recover, what kind of hell is that going to be for you? Mm. You know, when you come off the drugs. Right. And then your body's just missing all these hormones. Because it's not like they, they go to the doctor to have their doctor help bring them back up.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Do you guys think there needs to be like a, a reset button pressed in the bodybuilding world? Similar to like we saw in baseball in the early 2000s where it essentially like there was, or even in cycling when the whole Lance Armstrong thing came yeah. about where there was so many drug and um, performance enhancing drugs in baseball with, you know, the, the home run records all getting beaten. Every guy knew that every other guy was doing it. So they all felt like right. to be able to compete in that world, they needed to do it. And the same thing with like the EPO and some of the stu- substances in the cycling world. Is that, is there something going on right now, this period of time in bodybuilding that you guys feel like needs to be recalibrated or, or reset or is it being overstated?
2: And just to see, I'm not sure I'm, I'm totally under- following you there, but from what I'm understanding, I think the biggest thing that should be maybe looked at anew is to take a step back and and look at what are you, what do the judges want from competitors? Mm -hmm. Because if it's out of what the judges want, then the competitors aren't going to do it. You know, and everybody wants to celebrate the guy that gets on stage at 280 pounds because he's a big monster. Find me somebody that's over 260 pounds that's that's over the age of 60. That's kicking around doing a good job at life. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be. I, I, I dare say, I might struggle to find that guy. I think take a step back from the sport and go. Let's re, uh, reassess the sport. What is the sport looking for in its competitors, and try to create healthier parameters. Athletes, if that if that if that answers what you're what you're. Yeah, I mean, I think,
1: I think that's one of the questions. Um, I mean, I think that article actually spoke to that too. It talked about how you know some of like the standards that judges have um, have used have changed a little bit. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger wouldn't even wouldn't come close to winning a a, a um a competition no now. Yeah. There's even yeah. a separate there's no even way. a separate category for, for his physique. Yeah, classic yeah. versus, yeah. you know, what the judges are saying, you know, this is what we want you to look right. like to win. And to look like that you have to use drugs to get there. People you can't do it naturally.
2: People would have said Arnold looked too soft. Yeah. If you went on stage today mm-hmm. and Arnold looked great, yeah. <laughs> right. you know, I, I think what happened is you had the progression from golden era into the eighties into the mass monster era, into the nineties where it just kind of, the man's monster became the normal looking guy to an extent, you know, in the eighties you had pretty, pretty calm. We had a lot of, I mean, what was Arnold was two forty five on stage at six foot one, six foot two, right in there right. almost, we were basically the exact same size on paper. Yeah. Right. Um, and the, you, know, you had a lot of these guys that were sub 200 pounds to 225, and those were your bodybuilders. Then you get into the 80s where, and then a lot of them were a little taller back then too. You had Lou Ferrigno at six foot five, Arnold at six one, six two. You had all these, Dave Draper, I want to say was a little taller. Mm. I could be wrong there, but they weren't five foot four to five foot six, five foot seven. You know, A tall guy now is five foot nine on stage.
1: So they're shorter now.
2: They're shorter now, and they're mm-hmm. significantly heavier. So they're smaller frames in general with more added tissue on now, mm-hmm. because the bar keeps getting elevated. You know, now you had Big Rami that won this last year. at right. Was he Monster. three? Was he three hundred pounds on stage? So, what do you think every one of these guys is thinking? They How tall was he? Five. What is he? Five ten. Five, I'm, not oh, sure wow. exactly. yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure. think he's why. five nine or five ten.
0: Yeah.
2: And that's on stage at three hundred pounds, roughly. I, I could be wrong there, but up there. For and sure. what does that say to the guys below him? If you want, if you want to, if you want to get to where you want in the sport, you got to beat that guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got to put it there. People are going to think, okay, I got to be bigger. That's all it is, and and over years it progresses, it gets more and more extreme. And like I said, it's trickling down on the women's side all the yeah. way down the bikini. They got rid of female bodybuilding until recently, just brought it back. Yeah, and and I think that maybe they did that in an attempt to to, to reassess you know healthy parameters there to discourage people from going so far, but I don't know that that works so much. I don't know. I think. There's a way to perhaps come up with a different blueprint from the judges as to what people are going to be judged positively versus negatively for, and then actually hold that standard. Um, unfortunately,
0: and that's kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think Maybe that would discourage. Yeah,
2: I think that would discourage a lot of people from competing. But, and yeah. I don't want to be insensitive there because I understand the struggle and the emotional and time investment and the financial investment. But at the same time, it's getting much more unhealthy than it is healthy or beneficial for people.
0: Yeah. Hmm. It's a it's a driving force to win. But like we talked about earlier, it's UFC. Every sport where you're trying to be the best, Mm -hmm. there's a consequence. And I talked to uh, some really famous bodybuilders recently Um, shout out powerhouse gym um (laughs) and uh they they said that they don't think it's gonna come out of the sport they think it's it's you people are just gonna try and get better and better and bigger and ripter and (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's it's kind of systemic
2: it's a pretty integrated part of the sport yeah
1: what seemed like the the conclusion to that article you guys sent me that i read was that until a, a competitor dies on stage at one of the biggest events, there's not going to be, you know, the uh, the push or the um, the the wow, motivation to really to really change way. it. Yeah. Wow. That's what that's what the that's what the author I guess finally concluded that it's not going to change until something that dramatic yeah. happens.
2: And unfortunately, even <clears throat> if that happens, I think it would just be steroids that got the blame. I don't think they would look at the other contributing factors to it. Hmm. Um, something I did want to roll over here that we haven't really talked about are things you can do, preventative measures or things you can do to make your body healthy again or use to reduce the risk while putting these substances in yourself, which a lot of that gets overlooked. Uh, like, like we said earlier, so many people just worry about estrogen. Like that's the only side effect. Like that's what causes all the side effects. And that's just one little thing. And then you actually need some of that. A lot of guys try to get rid of it entirely from their system. Women as well, because that's how we, a lot of women deplete their water weight, is they'll go on anti-estrogens mm-hmm. and aromatized inhibitors, not CERMs. Do um,
1: you want to talk about so, what some of the side effects are?
2: Uh, of, of, the,
1: of just androgen use and testosterone use? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, just
2: list them. Sorry, I feel like I got a burp coming. Oh, no, <laughs> right. Drinking all this water. Uh, anyways, uh, let's see, side effects as in like in men or in women? or Yeah,
1: the... and so you mentioned... You mentioned, like, um, um, you know, the, uh, the, I think maybe offline you mentioned, like, baldness is oh, the yeah. one. And just kind of, like, down the list, like, the different things that you guys would worry about as bodybuilders and what you're trying to, like, why are you taking the, the um, estrogen inhibitors okay, and stuff like that? perfect. Yeah.
2: Um, so, I mean, like, for example, uh, I'm gonna, I, I was, ta- I was I'll, I'll start out with women, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a virilization. Yeah. So, you yeah, have virilization that occurs in women. It's basically the masculinizing of, of, of their anatomy or... Facial features, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, it'll start out with really minor, simple things like maybe clitoral enlargement, which really just slightly inflamed and sensitive initially. Um, but it can become permanent, and it can it'll just keep progressing, you know. And I know it maybe it's a little bit too much information to, discuss <laughs> to some people, but <laughs> in, I have seen I have seen cases in which a woman had a clitoris that looked like a honestly look looked like a penis. It, it looked like a baby carrot, you know? And I don't say that to be funny. I say, because I'm like, that's, that's, that's sad. That's hard. That's, that's, that can't right. be easy for her. She's got, that's gotta, there's gotta be a level of insecurity there. Right. Um, you see in women, the changing of the facial structure, you know, I want to say orbitals, forehead, mm-hmm. jawline, uh, facial feature, facial hair growth, mm-hmm. facial hair growth. It, it, and, it, and unfortunately, majority of the stuff is, is irreversible. You know, I don't know that you can really cut down on the facial hair growth. Um, yeah, they can experience male
1: pattern baldness on their... Oh, on yeah. Their head, which for a woman, you know, obviously having a full head of hair is a, a pretty big... Um, oh, yeah. Um, well, a
2: lot of times it starts with the forehead, so you'll see the hair start going back like this. Mm-hmm. And whereas guys start to get it in the back of the head... and get the uh the bald spot going Typical you know bald spot, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's why i shaved my head you know <laughs> of course i had a widow's peak at 17 so you're going down that road anyways Thanks. yeah i'm gonna blame my mom's dad <laughs> there you go the right person G- genetically speaking yeah. i going to blame him it's, it's right his person. fault yeah. but uh so i mean okay so
0: let's 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 and then the voice you didn't mention the voice oh yeah man that deeper voice yeah. yeah you
2: could you can definitely tell the uh the voice unfortunately with girls when they when they do experience and that doesn't that. go away that's it's you can train your voice, right? So you can alter your voice and you, you can, you can, but no, the, the effect when it's there, unless you dedicate time to retraining your voice, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like if a girl goes on, on, on gear and she's on gear for a month and her voice gets kind of raspy, it's not like, Oh, it's now it's raspy forever. Right? Like that's going to be due to inflammation. But when you let the inflammation, when you you, you continue the inflammation, you let it be prolonged or I think that's the bit, I don't know, maybe, yeah, you stay inflamed for too long, right? Um, layman's terms, then it does become permanent to a degree. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Over it, years and years Over and years. years and years, it, it is what it is.
1: Mm. It is interesting that the community is aware of these kind of side effects and are watching out for them and are, you know, kind of monitoring your body for the side effects as well. Right. Yeah.
2: It's. I think it's important to do it. It's so hard for people, though. I mean, think about it. If your facial bone structure is changing slightly, let's say, let's say a woman uses steroids to put on some muscle mass. She mm-hmm. puts on some mass, let's say she gains 25, 30 pounds, okay, um, inside of a 16 week, 20 week period, okay. Let's say she's done that, which is very doable. That's a lot for that's, a woman. That's a lot. <laughs> but let's say, let's say she, she's using a low dosage, actually, and she could do that. Okay. Um, she's going to notice her face is going to fill out more. So she's not really going to notice so many of the changes that might be occurring under here. And inside of 16 weeks, she's probably really, I'm not going to have that many, right. but do that three times a year for two and a half years or three years. And all she's going to see is her face going from fuller to leaner and mm-hmm. more slender, fuller and more slender. And every time she's going to look at her face and go, wow, I'm just getting a leaner face. That's what, that's a lot, what a lot right. of people think. And they don't realize your face isn't just getting leaner it's getting a little bit it's becoming more masculine it's getting more pointed it's becoming more elongated um and the the biggest place i usually see it is orbitals you know Mm -hmm. um or sometimes you'll see the really big jaws jaw develop to the side and i'm not even i'm I'm not i'm I'm not trying i don't want to come across like insensitive or offensive to anybody but these are just the signs of virilization Mm -hmm. you know the, the thicker hair growth on the arms of the face you know i mean hair growth on the face. Let's get real. Whiskers. Mm-hmm. Um, sex, is, oh. is there anything they
0: can do while they're on a cycle to counteract that?
2: I'm sure there's something out there but not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's something they could use to an extent, well, it would be like an anti-androgen, I'm, I'm guessing, but then that would defeat the whole purpose of using steroids. Right. Well, I think
1: that's also the purpose of like the, like some of the SARMs that are out there now to, yeah. to try to, so the oh, SAR, yeah. the SARMs are, um, are supposed to Act just on like the skeletal muscle, you know. Try to avoid those androgenic uh, type of virilization things. Mm-hmm. And what are SERMs? Um,
2: selective androgen receptor modulators.
1: So sim- similar to the SERMs, the SERMs are selective estrogen. These are selective androgen. So these are actually synthetically derived chemicals that would um, be in place of the actual testosterone to act specifically on the androgen receptors, only on like the muscular tissue. So we try. They try to avoid those other side effects
2: well you've got it there actually there's some and there's there's a lot of research missing from from SARMs Mm -hmm. but you bring that up and there's actually some cool stuff there um they target different types of tissue so you have some one, one or there's I think there's one out there that targets specifically bone tissue um there's some that target I believe connective tissue um and then there's skeletal tissue and then there's some things that are listed as SARMs. They're categorized under, under SARMs, but they are not SARMs. Uh, there's one that is a growth hormone secretagogue that will also keep your levels of IGF-1 elevated throughout almost the entire day. It'll also elevate your ghrelin levels so that people that struggle with appetite, now you're going to be hungry. There, there's a lot of cool stuff there, um, but they're, they're not steroids. But at the same time, I don't they're not necessarily the safest things either because there's not that much in research behind them as far as human use human yeah. use right so
1: yeah and a lot of these were designed actually to treat medical conditions like osteoporosis right. or mm-hmm. people that actually have neurodegenerative muscle muscle weakness and things like that that's why these were created but then you know obviously you know the bodybuilding community or or whatever community wants to try to utilize those for i mean other athletes too other athletes use right. these substances too yeah. to just try to improve performance yeah
0: interesting yeah. and on the male
2: side or are you finished with? So, oh, female. like side, side effects? On the male side, yeah, pretty done with the female side. Okay. I mean, there's other stuff. You know, there's, there's going to be changes to menstrual cycle. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be ch- maybe heavy bleeding, or maybe she loses her period, or maybe it becomes irregular.
1: Infertility issues, and that's on both sides, actually. Yeah. So sperm counts on the men's side, and then um, no longer ovulating as females.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's also uh, huge changes in, um, like, sexual appetite for, for women, for example, like sex drive
0: negatively uh, I can go, it, it,
2: it can go either way it can go either way usually it amplifies it violently so
1: it. so so reed's heard reed's heard that this happens no, i no. have
2: heard through the, <laughs> the <grapevine, laughs> through the grapevine um but let's see what else we got i mean yeah there's anger there, there, there's irritability to be honest though I can't really think of any times I've encountered people that really dealt with roid rage or the irritability. You know, usually if, if you're already an asshole and then you take something that makes you feel, go through what Superman complex, like when you're a, a kid going through t- uh, puberty, right. you're probably gonna be asshole times two. <laughs> and there's your roid rage. <laughs> right, but if, 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 you're, if you're mellow, if you're nice, if you're, if you're calculated, generally I think you're gonna be able to calculate your decisions. Pretty right. well, you know. Um, on the men, though, however, we get uh, side effects, which are, everybody laughs about them: uh, hypogonadism, hypogonadism. So your balls shrink, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't affect every guy, interestingly enough. And usually, if they do, it's what like maybe like a thirty percent temporary atrophy. But um, there's a lot of jokes about it because. Rich Piana, who was mentioned in that article, mm-hmm. used to talk about, it's okay if your balls shrink because then your dick looks bigger. <laughs> and you get the five to one dick to ball ratio. <laughs> so there's, there's been an ongoing joke about that in the community. So <laughs> when, uh, yeah, the, anyways, there, there's some fun stuff here. I'm not going to go too deep into that. But um, other things guys deal with is, uh, you mentioned a dependency mm-hmm. earlier, which very much so uh, when guys have to come off. You know, when I've had, when I've, when I've, uh, designed protocols or clients refer, or plans for clients to help people out or I'll look over protocols and they're, they've been like, Oh, uh, when, you know, should I come off? And I'm like, yeah, you should
0: mm-hmm.
2: They're like, okay, how much should I come off of? And I'm like, all of it. And do you need to take 40 to 60 days in most cases to yeah. get, make sure and can clean their organ, you know, help the organs be, get cleaned and recover and rest um i think there's something to be said and i could be wrong here but i think there's something to be said about the uh, efficacy of your receptors i feel like when people use gear for too long the receptors don't really respond the same way um the body I, i know several guys that have been using heavy gear for six and eight and nine months and they're not growing they're not changing they're not getting any better and It almost looks like their body uses that at this point it's gotten to where their body uses that to maintain what they have if anything but they're not they're not growing anymore and so i tell people it's like if you've been on something for more than about eight weeks step away from it and i'm by no means an authority on any of this stuff but i do have a lot of people ask me for my my my, input my input or my opinion look at you (laughs) Bad well, ass. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, think if you, if you look at it and you go, man, should I step off of this for a little while? You probably should. Right. Yeah. What's it going to cost you? You know, um, and people have this, this feeling like if I step away from it, then I'm going to lose all the, everything I worked for to build over the last however many years I've been using. Mm-hmm. And I still say, and if it's, if it's detrimental to your health at this point, if it's if it's harming you, then you should step away. If it's making you feel uncomfortable, if you can't sleep, you know, if if your gear doesn't work, you know what I mean. Yeah, well,
1: that's where some of the psychological dependence comes in because there's Huge. both there's both physiologic dependence. That's like, you know, the, the the classic, you know, methamphetamine, alcoholism, where you know when you actually stop taking that substance, you start to have withdrawal. You know, you have, and so that there's physiologic dependence, but then there's also psychological dependence. which yeah, you start to worry, you know, now you go to the gym next week. You stop, you stop, you use the word gear. I haven't heard that before, but. No. Yeah. So you, so you stop using your gear. Now you go to the, now all of a sudden your bench press has come down 20 pounds. Oh, like no. That's, that's when the, I
2: said gear, I was talking to about uh, sex organs. Like your gear doesn't. Oh, work. okay, gotcha. Yeah. I thought I
1: thought you were calling the, no it's
0: gear. I was calling them gear.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Misuse of terms. Yeah, no, now we're, we're all on the same page. But, um, but yeah, so there's a psychological dependence too. When you go into the gym and you're not performing as well, like that's that hits you hard. If that's you know a big part of your life.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: but I think some of the other things you didn't mention, like so gynecomastia, which is thanks. Yeah, it was coming. Men, men getting getting boobs. Yeah. The men tits. Yeah. Um, and so that so people don't realize that test, testosterone actually breaks down into estrogen. So, by putting more testosterone in your body, you're actually increasing your estrogen levels as well. Yeah. And that's why people are using the aromatose uh, uh, blockers or the estrogen mm-hmm. blockers, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then all of like, the common male um, phenotypic signals are amplified. So, male pattern baldness starts to become more excessive, acne more excessive. And then the, neuro- the neuropsych stuff, I feel like there's a lot of debate on that, whether or not that's actually accurate or not. But there's some research that says that it is, like, like I mean, like the roid rage stuff, like the changes in your behavior. Right. Yeah, I don't know. If you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like when you're using it's harder to control your emotions, you're more violent, you're more aggressive?
2: So most know? of my experience with that stuff would have been about 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and during those, because like, I experimented with a lot of stuff in that period. And to be honest, in some cases I would feel heightened anxiety. Mm, interesting. That was about it. Um, I never really dealt with anything um, emotional at all with it. Not, I never really dealt with any of those those effects. And n- I don't re- recall talking to anybody that did either. Okay. The only k- instances in which I really had any experience with somebody being kind of an asshole was usually not with people I knew. It would be somebody that was talking about what they were using, so I knew they were using. And at the same time, they, just, they were an amplified prick, you know? Um, most of what I'd read or what I had seen said that people that were acting that way generally were already kind of assholes before they got on gear and then it brought it out more hmm. you know i could imagine where with me when i was using things that were a little harder the increase in anxiety well for somebody that's not as good at maintaining themselves not that i'm you know by any means the best modulator of my emotions out there but um i could i could see how that could make it much easier to pop off or be a little bit more reactionary to agree Gotcha.
0: interesting um George. Yes. Do we get any questions?
2: No, 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 no. That is it. Okay. It didn't it didn't work out the way I thought it would, but <laughs> hey, you know, it's a long podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um did you have any more about what people can do to counteract the side effects?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh maybe you've heard of some of these things. Have you heard of TUDCA before?
1: What is it? No, I not. Uh-huh. So, TUDCA.
2: So, T U D C A. T D C A. Yeah um it, it actually just helps to maintain your liver helps to clean your liver detox your liver uh, i cannot or it's like tarosilic acid i cannot remember the name of it you, so. have, to,
1: you have to send me that afterwards I'm but to look at that.
2: that's one thing that's phenomenal for clearing out a, a liver um have you ever heard of sam e so sam e another thing i can't remember how to say it but it's sam usually capital sam and then lowercase e mm. uh that is a and these are all over the counter that's a supplement that is used to uh can be used Do a lot of things it basically assists in every single enzymatic process that takes place in your body um depending on the dosage uh benefits range up to like 1400 milligrams a day or 1200 milligrams a day no 1600 milligrams a day is where is where the benefits seem to range up to but it can do everything from bring you back from stage four uh cirrhosis Mm. to uh, drastically reduce um, inflammation and increase joint health um Restore your serotonin uh, production you and do all kinds of things. Oh, wow. But that's amazing for your liver. Uh, you've got N-acetylcysteine, which is incredible for increasing your uh, glutathione levels in your blood.
1: Now, that's one we use commonly. Actually, we use that in the ER to treat Tylenol overdoses. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, that's actually the antidote for a Tylenol um, intoxication. Uh,
2: in, do you do it uh, IV or is it orally taken? Yeah, you can do it orally or IV. Really? Yeah, we have both.
1: It's, we call it NAC. Yeah. I, I ton, I have, yeah, I have tons. I have, I,
2: I keep it at my house. And Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. actually use it when I get sick.
1: It's actually life saving for people that, um, that you know, someone overdoses on Tylenol as a suicide attempt, and to prevent that from going go into because if you don't do anything and they they have a truly toxic dose, they will go into acute liver failure. Right. Yep. And they'll And the only other treatment once you get to that point is liver transplant.
2: How much do you? Wow. How much does somebody? T- how much do you give them if somebody's?
1: Yeah, we have a whole protocol. Like, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's weight based. Oh, that is cool. That's cool. I'll share it with you because I I
2: I knew that it was used. uh, I knew that it's been it would be used in hospitals in in situations, but I've never actually. Yeah, the biggest one is
1: is Tylenol. Wow. Yeah.
2: But okay, so then you've got astragalus, which is another another herb. You just astragalus powder, and I buy it from. uh, I just buy it online, but I just get bags of powder. Like I'll get a kilo of it. That can do help with your heart, but especially your kidneys. Uh, Astragalus, if you're doing a good dose, I mean, I take usually every day. I just, it's one of the ones I have just in my adaptogen mix. I probably put about six grams a day in my adaptogen mix. My wife and I are huge into like all the mushrooms and adaptogen, everything. So we don't take very many pill supplements anymore. We use every, try to get everything from whole food sources. Mm. Um, so we buy a lot of, a lot of uh, cold process powders, but anyways, that inside of 30 days, a consistent dose, let's say like five to seven grams has been shown to increase the, uh, Oh, uh, was it the RF number? Is that the number I think, or the filtration? The GFR. Renal, GFR number. GFR. Um, like significantly, like thirty. GFR is start. a
1: measure of the, the filtration of your kidneys. Okay, so yeah, exactly. Like Sixty or above is considered completely normal. Right. And then we have different grades for your level of kidney disease or renal insufficiency, from like one to six.
2: Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, so a powder, just taken, you just mix with water, take, swallow, whatever. Uh, if you're taking a good dosage, like say five to seven grams a day, it is high in selenium. So some people might have a uh, little bit of a, uh, a sensitivity there, but it's been shown spells. say what, <laughs> <Blue spells. laughs> you know what I'm saying, but, um, it will, uh, it's been shown to increase your GFR number inside of a month by as many as 30 to 50 points for people that have really low functioning kidneys. Hmm. Um, what else you got? Let's see. That's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, L-carnitine, injectable L-carnitine, not orally, not oral L-carnitine. Oral, orally administered L-carnitine is only like eight to ten percent bioavailable. So the amount that you would take to actually have to get the amount that you would have to take to actually get the benefit from the L-carnitine, if you're taking it orally, would actually be enough to damage your liver. But if you take it uh, injectable, let's say five hundred milligrams to a gram a day. Um, It can actually, it's been shown to reverse the effects of atherosclerosis. It it's also actually another
1: one that we use in the ER as well. But really? Very specific drug intoxication. Carnitine is the antidote.
2: Really? Yeah. That is wow. so cool. I like, think it's
1: for, I think it's valproic acid, which is the, um, which is like an anti-seizure medicine, also mm-hmm. a um, a mood stabilizer. But sometimes people will overdose on this, and I think, I, I think that's the intoxication that it goes with carnitine is the uh, is interesting. Is the antidote. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. See,
2: I love learning that stuff. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. it, it. It has an interesting effect on your nerves as well. Uh, positive. Positive. Yes, it, it'll strengthen. It can rebuild and strengthen the myelin sheath hmm. on your nerves. So, you know.
0: Hmm. Wow. That's a lot.
2: Yeah, and there's some, there's some cool stuff there. Okay. But so I mean, you've got NAC, you've got Tudka astragalus. L-carnitine that can all do, oh, coenzyme Q10 is awesome for, for, your, for maintaining heart health. Um, and these are things that when I talk to people, most people don't even know these supplements exist. And yeah. you can pick them all up on Amazon or at a grocery store, you know, and they make a massive difference. Um, I use, uh, oh, go ahead. I was
0: gonna say, is this when you're cycling off or you, this is kind of like your daily routine just to keep everything running well?
2: Right, uh, my wife and I both take it every day. Wow. Yeah, so I have a fear in my family. There's been a lot of heart disease. There's been a lot of cancer. Um, there's been diabetes. There's been all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do have a bit of a concern there. I, I want to do everything I can to avoid that. That's why I do the forty to sixty minutes a day of cardio. Um, my my uh, my blood pressure. Did I ever send you that picture of it last the other when I took? I didn't send it to no. you. So I usually my heart my blood pressure usually sits um, below one hundred over sixty. Is generally where i sit and so yeah. like 94 over 58 is pretty normal that's wow good. That's, and, that, that's pretty low yeah like, that's uh, actually by definition considered hypotension i know yeah yeah. i know wow and uh, it's been that way forever i was huh. a younger i was a cross-country runner um always ran long distances you don't have
1: me, the but... uh, phenotype of a typical cross-country <laughs> i know I, I was also i was also on the swim
2: i was also on the swim team where are you yeah uh, I, I can see that probably,
1: you probably sink now uh, right <laughs>
2: I can still swim, but yeah, but not I, very I can't float. <laughs> but um, but my, my point being is, is yeah, I, I, my wife and I both use the, all that and a handful of other things every single day um, just to try and make sure that things are functioning as efficiently as possible. Like I said right. last time, we got, we're into this whole fitness, bodybuilding thing, but not if it makes us unhealthy. Right. I've been 300 pounds and unhealthy. I've looked at my the highest my blood pressure has ever been. I want to say it was like 140-ish over 96-ish, 90-something, mm-hmm. which for me like blew me away. Right. you know um, and so I, i'd like to live not only a relatively longer life but i'd like to have quality of life into my older years you know right. and right. S- and so if i like i say on my story all the time i'll talk about a goal i'm like hey i want to shoot for 250 as long as i stay in my healthy parameters if i fall out of my healthy parameters or don't feel good then i guess i'm not gaining weight right now and i feel like a lot of people don't do that they they go whatever it takes and they'll mm-hmm. push themselves to an inch within an inch, within an inch of death in the pursuit of a $10 medal at a, at a a competition that was really more about getting as much money from you for this business as we can, you know, right. And, and it, yeah. I might sound like a bit of a pessimist there. I try not to.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We talked about it. You're not into competitions. I, (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. Um, guys, this was a great conversation. Um, I think I learned a lot. I hope the viewers learned a lot. Um, Anything, last comments or
1: anything? Um, the only thing I'd say is, you know, in terms of the way I think about any kind of drugs and that can be, you know, pharmaceutical, you know, an illegal substance that you're thinking about doing, steroids, if it's even other substances, even alcohol, tobacco, all these things. And I think I, I like to use like a framework, you know? So it's, it's one, what is, the, what is the harm of this substance I'm gonna put in my body? You know, what's the harm to my body also what's the societal harm? And I think like alcohol has been demonstrated to be a have significant societal harm. It doesn't mean you using it's going to have that effect, but it's something to consider. So what's the harm? Then what's the benefit? You know, there's a reason you're choosing to use this substance or put it in your body. What's the benefit you're going to get? You know, is the benefit greater than the harm or is it worth it to you to take that harm? And then the third thing I would consider is your dependence. If this is a substance that you could potentially be dependent on. I mean, the one thing that we really all have in our lives is our agency. And if that's potentially going to be taken from me i'm just going to tread really really carefully because i don't want to become dependent on anything mm-hmm. i don't want anything to own me you know i want to have full agency in my life so those are kind of like the three things that i would just have someone think about for any substance they're going to put in their body and if they end up deciding that that benefit is worth those potential harms because everything again there's harm and benefit every decision right. we make and every dollar we have there's like how are we going to spend it it means we're going to spend it on x we're not going to be spending it on y you know you are always mm-hmm. making these decisions so That's what I'd encourage people to think through when they use any kind of substance. It doesn't mean don't do it, but just at least you have a framework, you have approach like psychedelics right now are a really interesting space in medicine, right? So people are, people are looking, yeah, or all kinds of use of of using psychedelic substances, psilocybin, MDMA, ketamine, um, these substances to look at how they can treat mental health. Right. And they all similarly had a very big taboo similar to steroids. And now we're starting to say, well, maybe there is some significant, um, benefit that would outweigh the harm doesn't mean they're not harmful there's no harm to be had but and these are the questions that the you know that people should be asking themselves before they put substances don't just you know start throwing a bunch of stuff in your body because you only got one body you know and and i see people all the time that have trashed their bodies and then once you've done that sometimes there's no going back yeah so i kind of just leave people with that
0: that was great that was a great statement yeah it's
2: it's heartbreaking when you see people that have spent years or decades trying to be healthy pursuing health and at the end you look at them and it's like they've really just caused himself a bunch of problems you know yeah. it's really heartbreaking because it starts out with a good intention mm. and and so easily it gets misguided and that's not not to say i'm not gonna i'm not that's not to say that steroids are bad or good um i agree 100 percent with with the doctor over here and i would always say don't jump into anything without proper education and guidance and Ideally, get a medical professional if you're going to look at any of that stuff, you know, but but yeah, I don't, (laughs) I definitely don't want to push anybody in that direction.
0: Cool. Um, Again, guys, thank you for your time. I know you're both busy. I thought this was a great show. I hope you guys watch to the end. Um, We'll cut some great clips from this and get it out on IG and TikTok. (laughs) Um, And until next time, Fit Fam, I'm out.